0: Hi, guys, and welcome. My name is Shannon Hansen, and I'm recording this podcast for my um, class here at middle Tennessee State University. Um, I have an interesting topic to talk about, but first, I'd kind of like to <clears throat> excuse me, give you some background information about myself um so you guys know why this is specifically important to me. so I'm currently a junior here at MTSU studying comprehensive special ed. uh, So that is a K-12 licensure. Um, I am, don't usually like market this like this, but I am a person with a visual impairment, (coughs) excuse me. Um, So outside of school activities, I am a heavy participant in the National Federation of the Blind. I am the student president um, of our student affiliation, as well as the student president here of our chapter so um um a little about myself i lived when i first started going to school i actually lived in maryland i attended maryland school for the blind for about a year um i believe just for kindergarten and then i was mainstreamed into public schools um in elementary school i received vision services on a daily basis um yeah, part of that time, I actually had someone sitting with me in class. I was a bit of a mess as a child, um, but they were just more or less responsible for like taking notes and meeting my other accommodations, such as enlargements, um, helping with like math, and just daily things that I wasn't really old enough to do yet. Um, now, of course, I take my own notes and do all that by myself, but in elementary school, that, that wasn't happening. They were lucky if I was actually sitting down and paying attention so um as i moved to middle school i was still receiving braille and orientation and mobility instruction um but my those instructors were only there my braille instructor was only there i think once a week maybe twice um and i only had orientation and mobility i believe once a month at that point um for those of you who don't know what orientation and mobility is, also known as O&M, um, it's where there's a licensed instructor who comes out and helps a blind person navigate using, um, the tool that they, they have, which is most of the time a cane, sometimes a dog, um, children have canes though. So they just teach them how to appropriately cross streets, how to read traffic, how to use their cane in, in every setting, how to store it, how to, how to just do all of that stuff, because that's something, um, someone with a visual disability kind of has to learn how to do, how to navigate successfully, um, so that's what they do, um, and as far as, um, braille, I believe most of you are familiar with that, um, it's just really a tactile way to read, it uses, a code that uses raised dots on a paper, um, or an electronic braille display that gives blind people the ability to read non, uh, without, without listening, so to actually read. So, um, I was actually born with some sight, um, so I know both braille and print. Braille has always been kind of a struggle for me because I am able to read large print, um, and so it's, it was kind of easier, especially in a, you know, being mainstreamed for most of my school career, um, everyone else is reading print, and so I was like, oh, I want to read print too, I do know Braille, I do not use it on a daily basis, but I do know it, and I can read it, uh, Braille is a great thing, um, so in high school, um, vision teacher was definitely there maybe once a week, Um, and I really kind of started running into some problems. Um, high school was a lot different than elementary school because, as most of you know, um, in in most public high schools, you rotate around to different classes. So, not only did I have to get one teacher to meet my accommodations, I had to get four or five per semester. And that became a real, real struggle. Um... Upon entering high school, my grades kind of uh <laughs> plummeted a little bit. I um, wasn't doing that well in my classes. I quickly learned that although making something large for me seemed very simple to me, it was not to a lot of other teachers. And I can't say that I ever had an experience where someone was just not where someone was rude about my accommodations or not willing. In high school um but I did have a lot of experiences where this like oh I forgot or oh I didn't know or oh this or oh that um which caused me to be late on assignments and and that's for me that's just like a, a dark hole that I just don't want to go down and if I feel especially if I feel like I'm not being accommodated it's not it's not great so it wasn't um the summer after 10th grade, I actually went to a camp at Tennessee, I'm sorry, not Tennessee, I lived in Virginia at the time, Virginia um, Rehabilitation Center in downtown Richmond, Virginia, um, which was an awesome, awesome, awesome experience for me. It was the first time I had ever traveled under sleep shades, so under under a blindfold, um, using my cane skills. It was the first time I had done well really everything under a sleep shade I had cooked I had just done daily living skills use technology all of those things and at first of course it's just struggle because like I said I do have vision that I do use um but I really quickly learned that like doing things non-visual is just as or if not more effective for me than using the vision that I do have. The biggest characteristic of my eye condition is eye fatigue. So I can get up in the morning and maybe I can sit down and read a book for 20 minutes, but after that my eyes are tired and then like I'm kind of I'm kind of done for the morning. My eyes are really tired. It's going to be hard to focus on a computer screen or a book or anything of that sort for a, probably the rest of the day. So, even it, you know, it's kind of it's kind of interesting looking back now that I'm 25 and I have a whole new perspective on life uh, because I'm like, oh no, I want to do things visually, even though it was so hard. I just wanted to, I just wanted to fit in. Um, but once I went to that camp, I realized that they are is another way of doing things that don't make me tired and irritable and frustrated and still coming in last and I thought it was pretty amazing. I made some really good friends at that camp um, who actually told me that they went to Tennessee to I'm sorry to Virginia the school for the blind um, and I quickly became interested in attending um so my 11th grade year, I started school at my public school as normal. Um, things, I was still having the same problem. My vision teacher wasn't there when I needed her. No one else in the school was seemed to be able to meet my accommodations. So I talked to my mom and I was like, hey, this is what's happening. And I feel like at this point in my life, I need to be somewhere surrounded by other blind people. So... I can learn the skills necessary to lead a successful life. She agreed. Um, and if I want to say a month or two after I started my 11th grade year, I went ahead and transferred to Virginia School for the Deaf and Blind. I was a residential student there because the school was, gosh, about three hours away from my house. So um, a bus picked me up on Sunday, and I stayed at school until Friday about midday we had half days on Fridays and then I went back home for the weekend so that was a huge adjustment at first it was really weird being away from my family and you know being around other people um really more than my family was kind of the biggest thing um but I was immediately immersed into blindness I guess if you can say and I was never a child who was like ashamed of my blindness. But if I could not act blind and do things the way that other people did them, I was all about that. Even though, in all reality, it, I was still obviously blind and not doing things the way that other people were doing them because I simply couldn't. Um, So, you know, a, a good example of that, just so you guys have a clear understanding of what I'm talking about, is let's see, so many things that, so many funny things that I would want to do. I wanted to play soccer. I wanted to play soccer, and it's possible for a blind person to play soccer with adaptations. Without adaptations, that ball moves way too fast. People move way too fast. It is, there's just no way. I did swim in high school. Uh, I was on the swim team for two years before I transferred. (sighs) That also, I wasn't, I didn't get any adaptations for that, and I actually, (laughs) embarrassing as it is actually my hand actually hit the wall one time because I thought I had one more stroke and I actually broke my hand um so all all kinds of things like that like yes I can do everything that everyone else does but with so with adaptations without adaptations it becomes fuzzy and I wasn't getting those adaptations and I was just trying to do things like study people could and it was not working sorry for that tangent so at Tennessee School for the Blind, I immediately had I had Braille. I think three times a week. I had orientation and mobility weekly in the beginning, um, more than once a week. I was made to use a cane, which at that time I hated. But now, I mean, again looking back, it's like yeah, I should have should have been using a cane because I wasn't using one all the time in public school. I was sometimes, but not all the time. Um, it was interesting. Everybody in my classes was using Braille or large print. Um, I wasn't falling behind anymore. Um, when I transferred, I was, because, like, it was just such, such a night and day difference. Everyone knew what I needed, um, really without me telling them, like, maybe some minor things, but, like, all my accommodations were met, and I thrived. Um, I graduated in 2011. I was Saladictorian, um, and here I am now in college some years later. So I think I'm lucky because I really got to see both, I really got to experience both being in a school specifically for blind people, and being in, um, being mainstreamed in a public school. Um, for those of you who don't know Virginia School for the, it's actually Virginia School for the Deaf and Blind, at the time that I went to that school, the deaf and blind students were, for the most part, kept separate. Um, now it's not like that as much, and I'm not as familiar with how that's specifically going. But we had separate school buildings. We sat on separate sides of the cafeteria. We played separate sports. We had separate dorms. Um, sometimes we had separate field trips. Sometimes they were together, but. Everything was really separate. We didn't even get our food from the cafeteria at the same place. There were separate lines. Um, School functions were sometimes together, but mostly separate. And when you think about it, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. While everybody needs to be efficient and learn how to deal with everyone in the world, the needs of blind students and the needs of deaf students or people in general are vastly different. The biggest, what I'm going to say one of the largest um, issues with those populations coexisting is communication. So uh, deaf people use sign language. Blind people are, you know, very verbal. So how do you communicate? And there is such thing as tactile sign language. Um, and if there is any kind of relationship between a deaf or blind person, then it's perfectly okay to expect that. But to expect that out of just average high school students t- to know that is is kind of it's kind of steep in my opinion. Um, the second largest problem with the two populations coexisting is that there are simply a lot more deaf students than there are blind so in high school, even though we were kept separate, there were times when of course like we would see each other and it was always it was kind of always problematic um there's a lot more deaf deaf students so it's like we we tended to feel like they got the better end of things like they had nicer dorms and they had more privileges and so on and so forth and we it was it was just it was just just kind of interesting and and a weird thing to deal with, um, even down to little things, like, when we were leaving the lunchroom, you know, we're just walking back to school nicely, and, you know, the, the deaf students would come behind us, or just really just kind of push us out of the way, and, um, just run ahead, but not in a nice way, but of course, they're all visual, so, like, you know, they're like, oh, hey, we're just butting through, and going through, and we're like, hey, you just tripped, like, three blind people, one's disoriented one's completely turned around and the other two are just upset because you didn't even say excuse me and they're like hey I signed excuse me we're like well we don't know that and it's ongoing (laughs) it's an ongoing thing um at the time I don't know how they're doing now but at the time I as ironic as this is we were having a hard time um well, I'm sorry, VSCB, Virginia School for the Deaf and the, blind, and the Blind, was having a hard time providing their students with working Braille writers. How insane is that? Just, just think about that for one second. Braille is the basic form of reading and writing for a blind person, and they, the Braille writers were, not, were just not great. But was the Deaf Department struggling with technology? absolutely not. They were fine. Um, The year after I graduated, um, the school went under a huge renovation and remodel. They actually built one large school building that was going to provide space for both the deaf and blind populations. I have graduated and since moved away. I know that when that idea first came about and when they first started doing construction um, there was a lot of people that weren't happy just because the basic needs again because the basic needs of the two departments are so very very different Um, and I don't say any of this to say that like oh poor blind students or anything like that but just the needs are so different so different, so that's a little, a little history about myself, um, and my experience in both public school and in, um, Virginia School for the Deaf and Blind, so now fast forward a few years, um, Now that I am an active member of the National Federation of the Blind, one of the things that we do is work to provide blind people with the same rights and equal opportunities as the rest of the world. So, as of right now, Tennessee has two schools, excuse me, Tennessee has two schools for the deaf. One is in Knoxville, so that's East Tennessee. One is in um, West Tennessee in Jackson. Um, they are strictly schools for deaf students. Um, one of them is serves children all the way from pre-K to grade twelve, and they have an additional su- uh, like after school support program the other right now is just doing i believe serving children from ages 2 to ages 13. there is one school for the blind um tennessee school for the blind also known as tsb located in nashville tennessee um, and they also serve st- students um, preschool th- up through 12th grade um, they have an amazing alumni association which actually just they just had their reunion as well as friends of TSB um, it's a pretty decent uh, size population the campus is actually gorgeous um, students are taught independ- independent living skills excuse me um, in cottages Um, So, you know, that means they learn how to cook and how to make their bed and hygiene skills and how to clean appropriately and all those things. Um, uh, I should also say that they're both a residential and day school, so students stay through the week, just as I did. And the ones that live close um, either get bused or their parents drive them back and forth every day. Um, The... Uh, TSB offers students a wide variety of extracurricular activities, including but not limited to um, sports, so adaptive swimming, wrestling, track, cheerleading, um, the list can go on, they have um, specific academic things they do, they have a braille challenge every year, Um, just a beautiful, wonderful facility, um, that really helps blind students reach their full potential. Um, on, again, an amazing campus in Donaldson, downtown in Nashville. Um, so, here is the issue at hand. Parents of the Deaf children that go to one of the two schools for the Deaf in Tennessee have looked way back in the law books and found a law or, or found something that states that there are supposed to be multiple schools for deaf children in the state of Tennessee. They brought this to the Department of Education, who thinks that a good fix for that situation would be to create space for them, for, for additional deaf students, on TSB at Tennessee School for the Blind's campus (laughs) okay and so you may be like oh Shaden that sounds like a wonderful idea like why not and I'll go ahead and tell you why besides everything that I have already stated about how the populations are so different the needs are different communication is hard and there's just way more deaf students than there are blind um as kind of maybe crude or insensitive as it may sound, we as blind people want to preserve the history of TSB. Um, besides it being an absolute gorgeous campus, the, um, the, the history of the school really dates back to not too long after Tennessee was established as a state. Um, James Champlin originally established the school in 1840 I'm sorry in 1843 along with the help of some Presbyterian church ladies um in 1844 the institution was official um, and recognized as Tennessee School for the Blind they at that point they were not on the campus that they're on now um but they had their first student um Francis of Campbell Joseph Campbell who eventually graduated TSB and ended up being a music teacher um in 1853 the school took up permanent residence where they are now um. Of course, they've undergone some renovations and whatnot. But the history of the school is is a pretty interesting one. If you want to dive into it, you can go to TSB's website. They have a more extensive history. Um, but, I mean, they were here through many wars. At one point, they were used as a hospital. Um, just all kinds of all kinds of really interesting stuff um so there's there's that we like to preserve the history the other issue is there are some dorms that are not being utilized right now where the department of education thinks that potential students could live in the thing is with these dorms they're not up to code not only are they full of asbestos and things like that which i realize a lot of older buildings buildings are they're simply just not Suitable and up to code, um. And through this this whole explanation, and you know, giving you guys my opinion, I really think that it's important to understand that I think it's not that I think that deaf people, or deaf students, don't deserve the same education, and it's not that I don't want to share because I'm selfish. It's that one like they do. They deserve the best education just as every child does, um, but it. It's something that the populations are just so different that I don't think the best education for them is sharing a facility with with um students whose needs are so different. also, no student deserves to be living pretty much that's where they are majority of the time living in dorms that aren't up to code and that are just old. Okay. So also the, so you may be asking like, what is the solution to this then? Like, where are they supposed to go? The state of Tennessee has so many properties around the state that are abandoned right now that they could set up a decent school. I think what's happening is, you know, they see TSP and they're like, Oh cool. This is already established. You guys already have this running. It's been running. It's great. It's beautiful. Let's just stick them in there. And that's that's not going to provide everyone with the best possible outcome. So that's not, it's not something, it's, it's, it's just not, it just won't really be the best for either population. So as of right now, um, the legislative committee of the state of Tennessee is trying to set up a meeting with the department of education, hopefully I will be in attendance at that meeting, Um, to just say, hey, you know, here are the differences, here's what we propose, Um, you know, they deserve to be in a better spot, here's what's up with the buildings at TSB, and just kind of get this going in the right direction. Um, It's something that I'm very interested in, of course, because I graduated from a school for the blind and deaf, so I know what it's like firsthand. Um, to kind of be a minority in a minority. Um, and I don't want that to happen to other students. They are already at a specific school seeking very specific things that their public school maybe can't or won't give them. Um, so they need to... They're entitled to those things, both, both populations. Um, so as soon as I have an update, for anyone who's interested, just get a hold of me. I am more than happy to let you know how the, the meeting with the department goes um but until then thanks for listening